0: You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Well, today, this weekend, we begin a brand new season in the NFL. A brand new season in the National Football League. What did you think I was talking about? the national football. I love football season. I've loved it my whole life as a kid, even as a little kid. I grew up as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. That's tough in uh, Bengals country, yeah. A few? Yeah, okay. wave the towel, right? And uh, I don't know how I grew up as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan in central Iowa, but I did. And I remember watching the Steelers. My first Super Bowl that I remember watching was the Steelers' first Super Bowl win. It was in uh, January the 12th, 1975. And they beat my dad's favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. And that was a sweet moment. It really was. And my favorite player was... The all-pro running back, Frank Harris. some of you remember him, right? He rushed for over 12,000 yards in his career. He scored exactly 100 touchdowns in his career. And he was named the MVP of Super Bowl Nine. He was my favorite. He was awesome. And while I was in high school, I found out that this girl I was dating, and she's my wife now, I found out that she actually had a poster of Franco Harris hanging in her bedroom. It was then that moment I knew... That I had something special here. Don't mess this up, Monty. And do you know, I, I'm not kidding you, we framed that poster. It is still hanging in our home today. It's in the garage, but it's still there, okay? It's still there. It's pretty beat up. But uh, yeah, Franco Harris won four Super Bowl rings. And he's, he will be remembered as being one of those key players, key cogs, in the great Steeler teams of the 1970s. Here's the question I have for you. What will you be remembered for? When you're long gone, what will you be known for when your life is long since passed from this earth? What will you be known for? A lot of people have made significant impact in this world. A lot of famous people, a lot of important people have made a significant mark in whatever area of life that they were an expert in. Let me give you an example. You think of Steve Jobs. What is Steve Jobs remembered for? Apple? The iPhone? How about Dale Earnhardt? Some of you NASCAR fans. What is he remembered for? Is it the 76 NASCAR victories? Or is it the eight championships? You know, for some, he's just known for number three. How about Jack Nicholas? Jack Nicholas had 107 pro tournament victories. But he's probably best known for his 18 major championships. How about Roger Bannister? Some of you may remember Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister is probably going to be remembered for breaking the four-minute mile. First time in competition, somebody ran under four minutes in a mile. How about Alfred Sturdevant? How many of you remember what Alfred Sturtevant would be remembered for? You remember Alfred? There's a picture of him. Anybody? Come on. Alfred Sturtevant, in 1911, created the first gene map. He was the guy who led the very first mapping of what eventually would become the Human Genome Project. The Human Genome Project is the international collaborative research program whose goal was to complete, to complete a map of the entire human gene map. The full sequence was completed in 2003, and that's when it was published. And it looks something like this. Of course, you knew that. Here's the irony. All of it started with Alfred Sturtevant. Most every list of great human achievements will include the mapping of the 20,500 human genes, and yet almost no one knows the man who started it all, Alfred Sturtevant. History tells us one thing, that after a while, your accomplishments, no matter how great they might be, will eventually fade away. It's when you do something that will last longer than history, only then will you be remembered. Douglas Pagel said this, each new day is a blank page in the diary of your life. The secret of success is in turning that diary into the best story you possibly can. So as you look at the blank pages of your future starting in the next few minutes and beyond. What is the story that you will write? Here's what I want to propose for every one of us, every single one of us in here, that we would write a story that makes an eternal difference, a story that will outlast history, a story that they will still be talking about 10,000 years from now. And if you're going to write a story like that, that has eternal significance... It will require that Jesus be the main character of that story. Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What's he saying here? The responsibility for the light. That's the, the gospel. The story of God's love and his forgiveness and his grace that is given to all of humanity. The responsibility for that has been given to us, the followers of Jesus. And nothing that you and I do in this life, except when we introduce someone to Jesus, when we share the light with them, if they make Jesus the Lord of their life, it's only then that will last for eternity. So let's write a story that has that kind of impact. As a church, as individuals... Let's write a story that has eternal impact. Today I want to hit the refresh button on a talk I gave a while back that looked at the vision of who we are. To better understand why God put a church right here at 990 Starshoot in Hamburg. Today I want to share with you what I hope is the continuing writing of the pages in the Northeast story. In 2013, as many of you know, I gave a talk entitled, A New Day, where we looked at a vision to reach people who were not yet part of the family of God. Well, this new day continues today. And all of this started with a little bit of a map, if you will. It was an ideological map where we said, hey, we're here, okay, Sorry I'm bending over at you guys. And we're going to go to there. All right? It was a simple map. Here is where we are right now, and we're going to go to there. Now, here represents where we are right now. It's right now. This is who we are. And what we talked about five years ago was that most of what was happening here was us-related. It was all about us. And for good reason. There were a couple of reasons why this is so important. First of all, we needed some time to recover. Some of you who were here five years ago, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This church had been through a lot, and we needed to heal, and we needed to move past some previous hurts and previous troubles. This was a vitally important time for us here at Northeast. Northeast. And there were a lot of you that wanted to bail at that point. There were some of you that wanted to bail before that point. And I just want to say thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for helping us build what we've been able to build over the last five years. There was another thing that was happening during this time that was when we were here, what, that was us focused, and that was that we were preparing. We needed a time of preparation. We were increasing the number of life groups and discipleship groups, and we were starting to disciple people. Our mindset was focused on preparing followers. And it started to stir within us that we needed to break this huddle and run a play for God. It was time. Here was our current reality. And on that day, I asked... The body of Christ here at Northeast. Will you link arms with me? Will you focus and sacrifice? And by God's grace, we can get to there. We can get to there. Now, what is there? Well, there is the church God calls us to be. We're not that yet. We aren't there yet. We weren't there yet. That was the church God was calling us to be. Now, at the time, we did some research back there in 2013... From the U.S. Census, and we found that there was a significant number of millennials who were living right here in our zip code, Hamburg, 40509. And that's still true today. Quite a few of them living here. Millennials are that generation that were born from 1981 to 1996. And those are people ages 22 to 37. Some people argue about those dates, but that's pretty much the general agreement. It's the largest generation in American history. Today, the median age for our zip code in the 40509 is 35. 35. The median age is the age that divides a population group or area into two numerically equal groups. This, on one side, you have half that is of the people who are younger and an equal half that are older. This is an index that helps to measure population. Well, the 40509 is, just to give you context, is the second youngest zip code in the entire city of Lexington. But why does any of this matter? Well, the key reason we put so much attention on reaching millennials starting back then in 2013 was that we learned that only 15% of millennials were actually Christ followers. And five years later, has any of that changed? Well, the American Culture and Faith Institute conducted a survey back in 2017, February of 2017. And they found that 20%, 20%... Of millennials are believers. 20. So we've made some inroads. That means, though, that 80% are not believers. They're not followers of Jesus. They don't have the assurance of spending eternity with God. Even though we've made some inroads, I think we'd all agree there's still a lot to be done a lot there we talked a little bit about there back then there represents where we're headed there is them focused so if here is us focused there is them focused them focused we're going to focus on somebody besides ourselves. When we go there, it's going to be more about them than it is about us. Now here's one thing I I want to make clear. I'll just hit the pause button just for a second. Some people may think that all we care about are reaching people who are in that millennial generation. And that is not true. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond... If you're outside of the family of God, it is our hope that you would take a step to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the reason we focused on this was there were so many of them right here. And so many of those who lived here are outside of the family of God. We just felt like God was nudging us to do this. In Colossians, the first chapter, verses 28 and 29, the Apostle Paul says he, he's talking about Jesus... Is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, he says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul's pouring it all out. And I would say we should strenuously contend with all the energy of Christ to connect with and convince and help to spiritually grow the next generation. It is time. It is time to do something significant for the kingdom of God. But there were a lot of people back then who wanted to stay here. They liked it here. Here was comfortable to them. They understood it. They knew it. They were, they, they were in agreement with it. They loved it. In fact, quite a few people said after I preached that sermon that this wasn't for them. And they got off the bus because they weren't going to make the trip with us to there. What's wrong with staying here? Ideologically speaking, what's wrong with staying right here and just doing church really good right here? Let me tell you why we can't stay here. Staying here would eventually lead us to being irrelevant. Culture keeps moving. It keeps changing. And we have to move and we have to adjust and we have to adapt or we will be left behind by the culture. And if we're left behind, we will have lost any possibility of influence on the people around us. Thus, staying here will mean people will miss out on heaven, and that is just not acceptable. It never was, and it never will be. It certainly isn't five years ago, and it certainly isn't today. If we aren't intentional at connecting with others who are outside of God's family, it just won't happen. It just, it's not something we naturally do. We actually move away from it instead of gravitating toward it. We have to be intentional, and we cannot miss this golden opportunity that we have. So we ask ourselves, what could happen if we went from here to there? What could happen? What should happen? And in 2013, we started to make a few adjustments. Some of you remember. We made a, a change in terminology. You remember that? Some of you probably wondered why we did this, but we changed the term members to owners. If you New around here, you may have noticed that if you join Northeast, we call you an owner. We don't call you a member. And the reason we did that is that members have rights. They have privileges. You know, we see that in, in organizations that we're part of. But as members of God's family, we relinquish that. We make Jesus our Lord and we become servants, surrendering our rights to his will. We are subservient to his will. Owners, on the other hand, have responsibilities. They have a lot of responsibilities, but there are two primary responsibilities that you see for every owner within almost any organization. One is, they're the people who make sure that things get done. That's what owners do. They come early, they stay late, they make sure things get done. And the second thing is, they pay the bills, or at least they make sure they get paid. And owners around here have been funding the ministry for a long time. Well, once we made that terminology change, there were four other adjustments that we made. The first one was to focus on being friendly. We wanted Northeast to be authentically friendly. In fact, we wanted to genuinely care about every person who showed up here any given time. We wanted to be friendly, not fake but authentically friendly. Secondly, we wanted to focus on children's ministry. This had to win. This had to be vital. Millennials were starting to have children, and we needed to be ready for them. And I got to tell you, the team we had here five years ago, they killed it. I mean, they knocked it clean out of the park. They have been building and expanding, and that team has gotten better and better over the years. And I, I cannot tell you how proud I am of the ladies that run that area. This a phenomenal group. You should pat them on the back and love on them. Any chance you get, even if you don't have kids over there, you should value them. Because this is a vital piece of what we saw God saying, hey, you need to do this. Well, there was another adjustment we made. And this one sent shockwaves through in all of Hamburg. We changed our worship style. We said, hey, you know what? We want to reach this group. We want to do something that's going to be, that they're going to connect with. And so we want to, we're going to adjust it. And our worship style, unapologetically, will be very similar to the worship songs you hear on Kayla. And then we did something that really messed with people. We raised the volume in here. And we lowered the lighting. And some of you are going, oh yeah, I got a bone to pick with you, brother, about that. Well, let me explain to you why we did that, okay? Before you hurt me in the parking lot, okay? We did that because we didn't want... We wanted to try to minimize the intimidation that you can have in worship. We wanted people to just kind of throw their head back and just express their gratitude to God through the songs that we sing. Have you ever been in a place where the volume wasn't loud, and you're singing, and you're letting it all hang out, and you're not a very good singer, but you're worshiping God, you're making a joyful noise, and then all of a sudden, somebody looks at you, and they give you that look like, dude, shut it down, you know? Or your spouse nudges you and goes, yeah, probably not your best day. And so what do you do? You get that look, or you get that nudge, and suddenly what happens? You stop singing. You stop worshiping. We we wanted the opposite to happen. We wanted people who never would worship to find themselves tapping their toe to that song and say, you know what? I'm going to sing. I can't sing, but I'm going to sing. And if it's loud enough, the people next to you can't hear you. And if it's dark enough, they can't even see you. Because some of you are dancing, and that is offensive to God. I want you to know that. I'm just kidding. I will tell you a secret. There are people whose the volume does affect their ears and they get headaches and stuff. And so our tech people have made underneath the balcony back here, it's, it's not as loud. You guys are getting gypped if you were looking for uh, to really be loud. So if you, if you find this to be too loud, you can make your way back there. That's, we did that for specific purposes. The fifth thing that we did was we added the online giving feature. And the reason we did that is we thought, we are more and more living in a cashless society. People are Fewer people are carrying cash or you writing checks. I have a couple millennials in my house that or grew up in my home. They, don't, they hardly ever write checks. And so we thought, why don't we create this, make it easier for them. Do you know that as of the last uh, 10 weeks, that 40% of our offerings have come through online giving. I really am grateful for those of you that have helped uh, make that a reality. I appreciate Steve Smith and uh, Debbie Kilgore, all the work, and Wayne McDaniels, all the work they did to help us to do that. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan. He has some good things that he has planned for us to do. And we want to be faithful to accomplish those things. I think we need to reframe our expectation about church and what it is that we get when we're here. Paul writes in Ephesians 4:16, he says, "He, he's referring to God, makes the whole body. He's talking about the church. Or he's talking about the spiritual body of Christ, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. That means that there is nobody who's here who shouldn't be here. Your being here isn't a mistake. You are perfect you're a perfect fit as part of the family of God. And then listen to this. He says, as each part does their, its own special work, its own circle special work, the work that God has designed for you to do. Everybody has a special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What Paul is saying here is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot opt out on being on mission with him. You, are a play, you play a key role in this mission. Jesus calls us into his mission to reach those who are outside of the family of God. And then he encourages us, the church, to continue to grow in our faith and help them to grow in their faith. God is on the move here, friends. He really is. And you're not just spectators in this crowd. You're participants in the mission of God. And you have a ministry that I'll never have. You are gifted in ways that I'll never be gifted. You have a set of friends and you have influence with those friends that I will never have. There is no such thing as the peanut gallery in the church. So the question that I want to ask us today is, as we look forward to writing in the pages of the future story of this church, what could be? What could happen What should happen? With so many new people who have made their way into Northeast over the last five years, I wanted to refresh this vision of what life here at Northeast involves. And then I wanted to do something that may mess with everybody in here. And yeah, I'm okay with that. I did youth ministry for a while. I'm okay with doing things that status quo doesn't like. I'm not making this a line in the sand, and I'm certainly not poking a finger in your eye, but I am talking about doubling down on the involvement of people in this church. If we're going to do what God calls us to do, if we're going to have a greater influence, then it will require more people being involved. If we're going to reach the next generation with the gospel, it's going to take all of us. So what's going to happen is we're going from here to there because there which was there 5 years ago when we were here there isn't there anymore it's here And there's 20% of millennials who are Christians, but we're not focusing on that so much as we want to make a difference in the 80% that aren't. Because we're right here with them and I don't know what that number will be up here. I don't know, but we need to change it. Anybody agree with that? Thank you for that one person. So here's what I want to ask in the time that I have left. I want to ask every owner here, every owner here, every person who's planted their flag here and said, this is my church, I want to ask you to take a step to get more involved. I want to talk about five specific areas, five specific areas. Vital areas that if we do these, we'll change The trajectory of people who are outside the kingdom of God. I really believe this with all my heart. The first one is to pray. To pray. We could spend an entire series on this alone. That whole here to there thing that happened five years ago. That was born years and years before. Out of people who were praying. There was great power in prayer. And I want to ask you to pray specifically. For northeast as a whole. But two things specifically. One is, I want you to pray for people who you know who are not part of the family of God yet. And I want you to pray that they will see the light as you share it, and they'll take a step of faith. And then secondly, I want to ask you to pray for our staff and our leaders here. Here's the deal. When you implement God's plans, the spiritual battle is intensified, and we've seen that Just over the last few weeks around here. Just uh, unbelievable pressure and strain on several of our key staff people. Second thing I want to ask you to do. Involvement number two. Show up. This is the easiest one on the list. Show up. The fuller this room gets, the more energy and excitement that there is. And that creates a great environment. And we want people to have the best experience when they show up here on either of our services. Also, your presence sends the message that worship is vitally important to you. So let's send that message. What this means, practically speaking, is every time we gather in this room to worship God together, whether it's in first or second service, you come ready As an owner, you come ready, you are locked in, you are focused, you're ready to be joyful, you're ready to serve, you're ready to say, it's not about me, it's just about what I, it's not what I get out of this, but it's what I bring to it. And God, please put somebody in my path who needs some encouragement. You come ready to sing, you come ready to worship, and you come ready to learn, and you come ready to engage, you come ready to clap if somebody else starts clapping. You just get, you're, you're with it. And that's just what we do as owners when we show up. I know, I know we are the busiest people in the history of this country. But worship has to be a priority to every believer. It just has to be a priority to us. Involvement number three, number three. There are a lot of areas where you can do this, and that is serve. Serve. You can serve throughout the, the church. There's what we call our ministry make, matrix, and there are all kinds of ministry areas in the northeast matrix. And we try diligently to match people up with how their gifts are and what the, what the ministry area is. And one of the best ways to do that is our shape class. Our SHAPE class next is meeting on October the 20th. If you have not taken this class, I hope you'll do it. It helps you to identify your spiritual gifts. How has the Holy Spirit wired you up to do ministry? If you're an owner here and you haven't done that, I would strongly encourage you to sign up for this one or the next one. It's a great way to do this. And a lot of ministries around here require a certain giftedness or a certain skill. But not all of them. In fact, there are two key areas that require... People who need just a little bit of training, they can do incredible things. I want to talk to them about these two things. They're vitally important to the core of what we're trying to accomplish in reaching the next generation. The first one is children's ministry. One of the best ways to connect with people of any age is by blessing and serving their kids. Millennials are having babies, and they are raising families now. And we have a tremendous opportunity to serve them through our children's ministry. It's clean, it's safe, it's organized, it's well-staffed, and it gives young parents the sense of confidence and trust that they can leave their kid there, and it's going to be okay. Their kid is going to not just do great things, but he's going to thrive. I, one of my favorite pictures years ago, it was probably about three years ago, was a mom who was dragging her son. He was about three years old, and he was absolutely sobbing, throwing a fit. And she was dragging him out, and I said, is everything okay? And she goes, he doesn't want to leave the train room. You know, like, it was my fault, you know. But he loved it in there so much that she was, she was having to drag this little guy out. You and I imagine ourselves as a single mom who shows up here the very first time. She's got a toddler and she's got a, a, a baby in her arms, and she shows up, and, a sing- and, and one of the volunteers who's smiling helps her check her children in for the first time. And then makes sure that those kids get to the appropriate rooms. And that mom, she's impressed with the incredible artwork throughout the children's ministry area. And she's comforted by the intentionality that's given to security. And she slips into the worship service a few minutes after it had started. And over the next hour, she's ex- able to explore what it means to be a follower of God. What it means to have a relationship with Him. And over the next several months, she'll continue to come as often as she can. And she learns how God forgives sins. And He gives us hope. And then one day, she will accept Jesus as her Lord. And she'll be baptized by the friend that invited her the first time. And all of this is possible Every single week because there is a team of volunteers who are in there holding babies and teaching kids and making snacks and singing songs and cleaning up snacks and securing entryways and helping check new families in. And they all do it with a smile 85% of the time. And if this army of servants isn't there, then this mom is in this room with two little kids. And she's wrestling with them for about an hour and five minutes. And it would be very unlikely that she had much of an encounter with God during that. We can't let that happen. A well-staffed children's ministry will help us to reach the next generation. I want to ask you to sign up and serve once a month. Even if you don't like kids. They need you. The second area that's vitally important is our first impressions area. And these are the people who greet you when you come in and greet you when you leave. And truthfully, the only requirement for this ministry area is that you show up on time and that you are friendly. Which means about 80% of you could do that. I want to tell you a story. I recently had lunch with a friend of mine who shared about his first visit uh, several, a few years ago now, probably three years ago, uh, coming to Northeast, and they brought a younger family with them. The younger family, my friend is older, he doesn't have children, but the uh, younger family, they had several kids. And when they arrived, they were greeted by the greeters, and then the dad said, hey, where is your children's ministry area? And the, the greeter said, it's, it's right down here. Let me take you down here and help you get checked in and everything. It blew the family away, my friend said. Just blew them away. They could not believe that somebody not only was so friendly, but would take, they would leave their post and they would actually go down there and help them, you know, navigate all of the different, you know, hurdles they had to go through to get their kids checked in. It made such an impact. They felt so valued that it was just a few months later that that family actually made Northeast their church home. I want to encourage you. Sign up to serve one Sunday a month in either Children's or First Impressions. You can serve in a lot of other areas. But if we all sign up and we say, hey, we're going to be all in to make these areas hugely successful, then we're going to influence the next generation with the gospel. All right, we can see that we're rounding the turn and heading for home. There's two more that I want to share with you. The next one, in, involvement number four is tithe. Tithe. A tithe is 10%, which is the biblical benchmark for financial giving. It's the starting point. It's really not the ending point. If you read Scripture, you'll see that. But I want to ask every owner here to decide between them and God, not because Monty said it, but I am asking you to consider having this conversation with God, that you would be a tither to help us to fund the ministries that right now many of them are underfunded, Finances help fuel ministry. And the truth is that giving almost always requires a margin of faith. Trust God. As you give, I want you to keep in mind something that's, I think, vitally essential when it comes to giving, and that is no matter how generous you are, you will never outgive God. God is so faithful. If there's one thing that he has been teaching me over the last year, year and a half, is that he is faithful. He will provide for us everything that we need. I'm confident of that. But I want to invite you to obediently invest in the kingdom work here so that you can share in the blessing. As I mentioned, we started online giving to make giving more convenient. Starting today, we now have what we call text giving. You can actually contribute to the offering as easily as sending a text. There's information in your program. You can go to the website if you need more coaching. Most of you probably know how to do this. But uh, we still want to encourage it to be as easy to give here as possible. And so we're adding text giving. Again, I want to thank our, our... administrative staff who put all this together. Now, you can still give with cash and check, and if you need an envelope, some of you know what I'm talking about. We have envelopes. You can get those, all right? We're not saying you can't. We're just trying to make it as convenient as possible to give. All right, number five. Involvement number five. Tell others about Jesus. This is the most important thing for any church is to mobilize the body and say, hey, we all know somebody who's outside of the family of God. Maybe it's a, a friend or a family member, a co-worker. Maybe it's a, you know a, somebody you coach soccer with or somebody you serve on the PTO with. Tell them how Jesus has changed your life. Invite them to come to worship with you or a Bible study or a life group or a church event or, or even a mission trip. Paul told Timothy, he said, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed. We created these uh, cards. They're promoting the next sermon series. We're going to try to do that for each sermon series as we launch a new one. And you got one of these when you came in. That was not an advertisement for you. We want you to take this. And it's a simple tool. You just say, hey, why don't you join me? And you've put something in people's hand. It has a map on the backside. You've probably seen that already. It's an easy way to do it. Kicking off a brand new series talking about authentic faith, we're going to look at the first two chapters of the book of Galatians. Barna Research found that 4% of people who are invited to come to church will actually go to church with the person they invited, were invited by. will be invited, but they won't go. They won't accept the invitation, which tells us that there's a little bit of risk involved. But 73% were never invited. 73% never invited. We can do better than that. Owners, Will you join me in praying for this church, showing up regularly to worship here, to uh, serving in either children's or, guest serve, or first impressions? Will you tithe with me? Will you tell others about Jesus? All of those probably are stretching almost all of you here. And I get it. And that's what I meant when I said we're doubling down on this we're going to make a bigger splash, a bigger impact in the 40509. It's going to take more people who are more intentionally focused on the things that God is calling us to do. Let me close with this. In 1961, President John F. Kennedy gave a speech to the Canadian Parliament. And in that speech, he gave a quote that became wildly famous. It was by the British Parliamentarian Edmund Burke. And he said this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Our mission to reach the next generation will happen if we all join together. But there are some in this room who are saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sit this out. You know, they're, they're tugging their jerseys, saying, I need a break. And maybe that's true. Our mission to write an eternal story that will last forever will happen if we all do our part, our special part. It's going to take more people. So please don't decide to sit this out because somebody's eternity may be hinging on your involvement here. Let's not give evil a greater chance to have victory in this Hamburg area not on my watch, not on your watch. God's involved here and he's going to guide us in our mission. But what Northeast does is strengthen even more and more by the dedicated efforts of godly men and women in this church who share this vision and they will help us to reach the next generation for Christ. Some of you are, here, are hearing this. You're not an owner here yet. I want to invite you to step over the line and become part of what God's doing here. Be an owner here. If you're a immersed believer in Christ, I'd love to talk to you down here after the service. Let's get you signed up. Let's get you involved. Maybe you're not even a Christian. You're hearing this and you're going, wow, these people have a high standard. You you know what? You don't, have, you don't know the half of it. What would we sacrifice so that people might know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we sacrifice a lot. If you want to know more of what it means to follow Jesus, I'd love to talk to you about that. We can schedule a appointment, we can talk today. Please come at the end of the service. Will you join me in this endeavor? Will you take a step of greater involvement? Will you plan today? Say, you know what? I'm going to do this. All five of these vital involvements. What we do over the next five years is going to write the next chapter in our story. Let's write a story that is changing lives. Let's increase the population of heaven. And together with God's help, we will change Hamburg and beyond for all eternity. Can anybody agree with that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. I'm grateful, God, today that you gave the gospel to someone who invested that in my life. Help us, Lord, to invest in others' lives. Stir us with a holy fire that will burn white hot for this area we call the 40509. And God, we pray you will help us to reach this next generation with the gospel. Lord, use every Christ follower here today to write this next chapter in the Northeast story. All of us, God, all of us. And when we're done, I pray, God, we have truly made a difference in the population of heaven. God, will you please stir us today? We pray in Jesus' name.